0: Good evening, everyone. We thank the Lord for uh, allowing us to come together one more time, over the phone lines, to uh, look into His Word once again. And that we hope everybody's in good health, good spirits, have a good and a reasonable portion of health and strength. Something else to give God praise and glory and honor for it could be worse than it is. It could be a whole lot worse. So we thank God for being God and God all by itself. Let's go into a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. So we ask in Jesus' name that you go with us tonight into your word. Lord, you be our teacher, be our leader, be our guide. Holy Father, open up our understanding to your Word. Make my tongue as a pen of a ready writer to declare the word of God and to make it plain. Well, let me decrease as you increase. Holy Father, blot out me my my presence, my mouth, that you may be seen and glorified in your people. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight we're going to uh, continue with our series, Tell Me About Jesus. The last seven sayings of Jesus. And now we're going to look at the second fan of Jesus, which will be found in the gospel according to St. Luke. That'll be uh, St. Luke chapter 23. And we can see that second saying is in verse 43. And it reads, And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you should be with me in paradise today you shall be with me in paradise. So tonight we want to focus on the thought that salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift. And it's a gift given to us by God. It's not a gift given to us by man, by the church, by a preacher, by a teacher because we are all human and we couldn't Give salvation if we wanted to. So salvation is a gift and is given by God. And the good thing about that is, I'm glad man didn't give me salvation because man may get upset with me, man may you know become angry with me and, and want to take it back. But God is not like man. His thoughts, his thoughts are not like our thoughts. As far as the east is from the west, so far as his thoughts is so let's keep that in our focus tonight that salvation is a gift I'm going to begin reading uh, a, a couple paragraphs from A.W. Tozer A.W. Tozer and he writes religion as a form it's one of the heaviest burdens that has ever been laid upon the human race and we must observe that it is a self-medicating burden. Men and women who are conscious of their moral and spiritual disorders try to medicate themselves, hoping to get better by their own treatment. I wonder if there is any kind of self-cure for human medication that man has not tried in his efforts to restore himself and to gain merit. Millions of pilgrims may still be in, many of pilgrims, millions of pilgrims, he writes, may still be seen in India, flat on the ground, crawling like inchworms toward the Ganges River, hoping for a release from the burden of guilt in the sacred waters. History tells us of countless persons who have tried to deal with guilt by self denial and abstaining from food and drink. Many have tried a kind of self-torture by putting on hair shirts or walking on spikes or hot coals. Men with the hermit complex have shunned society and hidden themselves away in caves, hoping to gain some merit that would bring them closer to God and compensate for their own sinful nature. Mankind is still inventing new ways of self-treatment and medication for failures and weaknesses and wrongdoing, even in our day, not recognizing that the cure has already come. End quote. And that's what we want to take another look at tonight. The cure that God has given to mankind. For our guilt, for our failures, for our weaknesses, for our sins, and that is the gift of salvation. That is the gift of salvation. Okay, here now. Here we. Luke writes about the uh, the two thieves on the cross as we know them. You know, a lot has been said about these two thieves on the cross. But there's a lot here to be to, 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 to mention and to capture with these two things. It's not just a bedtime story uh, that many people will have us to believe but this is one of Jesus's last hands and he wants us to get what he is telling us. He said, here, Luke 23, 43. He said to him, truly, I say to you. So Jesus said, truly, or verily, 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 or truly, truly. He said, this is no lie. Facts. This is the truth. As young people say, no cap." Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said to him, you can take this to the bank, you can believe this, you can stake your life on this, what I'm about ready to say to you, the truth you know, a lot of times people will say uh, I'm going to hit you with this nugget of truth, I'm going to let you in on this new revelation God has given me, I'm going to, if you dial in if you if you uh, tune in online I'm let you know about this new revelation. There is no new revelation. There is no new nugget of truth. There is no new uh, 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 wide-eyed uh, truth that's given out. The truth is from Genesis to Revelation. There's all the revelation we need. Ain't anything outside of Genesis, outside of Revelation is, 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 is not the truth. So this is the truth. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, this is your nugget. This is your revelation if you want one. This is this is the truth. What did he say? He says, today. Now let's focus on that emphasis. He said, today. That is instantaneous. That is permanent. That is assurance. That is certainty. That is now. Just like if you told somebody, today I'm going to give you $300. You expected that today. Not tomorrow, not later, but today. That's what Jesus said. He said, today. We can't. We can't pass past that too quickly. Did Jesus say you're gonna to have to do something? Did Jesus say you're gonna to have to go somewhere? How could he? He was suspended on the cross next to Jesus. He, but he said today. What what does Jesus mean when he tells that he's today? He means immediate salvation, immediate salvation. So when we truly repent from our heart, when mankind truly repents from the depths of the heart, and repentance is having a god Godly sorrow for the wrongs we have done, how we have wronged the commandments and the Word of God. He'll give us immediate salvation. Depending on which uh religious belief you're, you're from or, or that you're of, certain ones say, well, you got to do this, or you got to do this first, or you got to do this, you got to check this box. But no, Jesus didn't tell him that. Jesus didn't tell him to, you know, okay, get down from the cross and, and go to the priest and offer a turtle dove, offer a sheep, offer a bullock. You no, know, he said, today, because the man's heart was right. Well, going to see. That. Somebody said, oh, well, he, he's preaching us. Uh, eternal security. Well, if, well, well, maybe I am. Yes, I am. Because that's what Jesus taught. And that's what Jesus gives us when we truly repent and come into a saving relationship with him. John 10, verse 27 and 28 says, he says, My Jesus, these are Jesus' words, if you carry a red leather Bible. He said, My sheep hear my voice. Look what he said. He said, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Look at look at the word he used here. He said, eternal life. So eternal life cannot be like that's taken away if it's eternal. And if he gives it, he said, they shall. Never perish. We got to listen to Jesus' words. He said, Never perish. Never. Once Jesus gives it to us, he doesn't take it back. He doesn't give it to us. Oh, oh you 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 did something wrong, you're dead, I'm gonna take it back. From you. No. Eternal means eternal, never means never. So he goes on to say, He said, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. See? A lot of times people will try to pluck salvation away from us or try to pluck us out of God's hands because you're not saved or you're not this, you're not that. They have no right to do that. He said no man can pluck him out of hand. No bishop, no district elder, no suffragan, no man when God saves you can pluck you out of his hands. Now, matter of fact, Even if you once after now, I'm not I'm not preaching weakness. I'm preaching the truth. Sanctification is a different thing that takes place after God saves us. He begins to sanctify us. That's a different issue. But the issue of salvation, once God saves us, we are saved. And this world needs to know that God is still saving His people. Without all of these extra hangups and, and, and hookups and additions and attachments to salvation. Let's pick. let's, like I always say, you gotta catch your fish before you can clean it. Once God catches a man, he said, Peter, you shall be fishes of men. Once God catches a man, catches a woman, and then he moves to the process of sanctification, of cleaning them up spiritually. Through his word
1: and through his spirit.
0: But he said. I give you eternal life. And you shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. John 4 and 14 also said. Jesus said said it again. He said but the water. Which I would give him. Will become in him. And her. A well of living water a well of water springing up to eternal life. Now if God's going to put that living water inside of us, he says it's going to spring up to eternal life. What, what living water? That's the Holy Spirit that he gives us. Once he gives us salvation, his Spirit comes to live inside of us. That's that living water that bubbles up on the inside of us. That's why Our conscience is woken up. That's why we can't sin like somebody that's not safe and sleep easy at night. No. The Holy Spirit within us is going to convict us because of the Spirit living within us that came to abide in our hearts after salvation. That's that little one. And that's what Christ doesn't take away from us. Somebody might say, well, how can you say that somebody is saved and they doing this or they doing that or they're living such a life or they doing this? First of all, it's not for us to say who's saved and who's not saved. The Bible says we got no heaven to put nobody in. We got no hell to put them in. We can't say who descended into heaven who did not. The Bible says you should know them like the fruits that they're So... If somebody is living a perpetual life of sin, living in sin, practicing sin as an everyday life, then their salvation would be in question. But we never can stand as judge to say whether they're saved or not. That's up to the Lord. But those that are truly saved will not live a life practicing sin. Living in perpetual sin every day of their life, they won't do that because the Holy Spirit within them won't allow them to do that. Now, now do do Christians sin? Yes, they sin. That's why the whole the the letters of First, Second, Third, Third John is written to the brothers, written to the saints, written to the church. He says, not if you sin, but he says, but when you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So, while we're in this flesh, we are going to commit sin. Not advocating the life of sin, but you're going to get upset sometimes. You're going to say the wrong thing sometimes. You're going to think the wrong thing sometimes. Because you're still in the flesh. But, you don't live in sin. Now, if you have a saint, a saved believer, that continually grieves the Holy Spirit by sinning, and by presumptuously, sinning about willfully sinning knowing that they're sinning against the word of God and knowing that they're doing something that the Lord has told them not to do according to his word but we know that they have been saved by Christ that's called a carnal Christian they're living in a carnal way they're living in that low life they're living to the in their low nature they're, they're giving way to their flesh. That's a carnal Christian. So what you going to do with that? I'm not going to do anything with that. You know what what God's going to do with that? If that carnal Christian doesn't come out of sin, God's going to take them out of this earth. God's going to take them out of this earth. Kill them. They're going to be gone. And then they'll lose their reward. But yet, their souls have been saved. First John three and two says Look what he says. He said, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Now, not tomorrow. Not now. He it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when she, when he appears, when Jesus Christ appears, he said we will be like him. We don't know, you know. We ain't we ain't like a butterfly. You know, before he turns into a butterfly, he's just that worm. And, and it does, he don't look all that good, but when it's time for him to come out of the cocoon, and come out to spread his butterfly wings, he's beautiful. But right now, we're still in our cocoons of flesh. But when Jesus Christ comes back, hey, when we see him, hey, we're going to be just like him. We'll be able to shed this flesh the sinful flesh and spread our spiritual ring, so to speak, hey, and we'll be just like him. But now we are the sons of God. We, 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 we're not what we ought to be yet, but we're going to be one day, huh? One preacher says, not, not yet, but already it has happened. We're not yet fully according to the flesh you know it has not been revealed where we should be but we are already the son of God as it comes to justification in the finished work of Christ on the cross somebody might say well that's not where I was raised that's not what I was taught well we don't make the rules we didn't die on the cross we're not God. We're not the son of God. So, we can't make church and being saved make sense to us. And according to us, that makes sense. That You, you got to I had to go this way. Older saints had to do it like this. Or no, abuse, or you said you have to do it like No, that's what they said in Jerusalem the Sadducees and the Pharisees that killed Jesus They didn't believe, you're not the son of God you can't tell these little people that they can uh, have access to God, you can't tell the prostitute, you can't tell the poor beggar and the tax collectors that they have access to God and the, that the kingdom of God has come now that's what they were saying so I'm not going to wrap I'm going to say what the word of God says and believe that no hocus pocus here no voodoo religion it's what God has said that's what matters then Jesus said to him he said you shall be with me today you shall be with me who is he talking to who? who Who's going to be with you? Okay, let's go back to Luke 33. Who's he talking to? Luke 23. Let's back up a little bit. Get, get a little context. Luke 23, verse 33. He said, you shall be with me. Who? Luke 33 says, when they came to the place called the skull, where they crucified him and the criminals. What? He telling criminals, one writer called them thieves, the other writer called them malefactors, and malefactors equals evildoers, so Jesus is telling this criminal, this thief, this malefactor, that, that he was going to be with him. 33 also says, one was on the right and the other was on the left. During Jesus' whole ministry, the religious group in that day, or the religious establishment in that day, they had an issue with Jesus. Because Jesus was always with those elements of society. He was always for the little people. He was always for those uh, 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 uh,
1: uh,
0: that nobody else thought was good enough to be saved. The poor man. The one with the issue of blood. The old tax collector, Zacchaeus. Huh? That old man that was in the tombs cutting himself with stone. Those were the ones that Jesus came to save. Those were the ones that Jesus sought after. The Syrophoenician woman, the Greek Gentile doll that the Jewish people thought was too low,
1: too evil
0: to be saved. They don't even go around. Those were the people that Jesus was always near. Those were the people that Jesus was always next to and was always wanting to save and was always wanting to rub shoulders. And those that society has deemed too bad to save or to feel sorry for, those are the ones that Jesus went after. That's what the world needs today. There were less of religiosity. less of the big shot robe and the big old cross hanging on the chest and all that foolishness. Less of that and more of this. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them what Jesus has done. Tell them the age of story that never gets old. Uh, that still has power to save. And redeem, And to brighten the eye. And to lift the spirits. And to square the shoulders. Tell them about Jesus. Time out for all this foolishness. Dressed up in a form of religiosity. That's helping nobody but the tax collectors. And the IRS. Huh? Tell them about Jesus. John night. Well, Luke said that these criminals, one was on the right hand and one was on the left. Huh? That's what Jesus wrote on the cross. But he was telling this man today you're going to be with me. You, you. But John John 19 and verse 18 said, let's see how he read it. John 19 and verse 18. Let's see how John described it. John said, there they crucified him with him two other men one on either side and Jesus in between huh? John said Jesus was smack in the middle of these two criminals one on the left one on the right huh? in the middle one on the left one on the right Jesus in the middle one on the left and one on the the son of God in the middle of these everybody knew that these were malfactors, that these were evildoers and thieves and troublemakers and criminals that were trying to upset Jerusalem but Jesus in the middle of them they gave Jesus the the, uh, I guess the most pivotal spot was in the middle they wanted to make sure everybody knows he was the ring leader. Jesus didn't have the end of the Jesus didn't
1: have the end of
0: the True story. That was this couple. They went to this truth joint, if you would, to have a good time one one night one evening. This couple, as a matter of fact, they were husband and wife,
1: I'm
0: having a good time. The wife was pregnant. She was pregnant at the time, but she was still there with the husband. I just chew joint, having a good time. Pop, 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 pop. Having a good time pop, pop. So the husband got into it. Well, you know the husband got into it with somebody in the back of a you know how you have those juke joints in in people's homes in the back of the house started fighting started fighting uh, 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 some guy back there in the back so this husband was getting the best of this guy beating him up so another guy came from behind and knocked the husband out with a chair or something. Knocked him out cold. And there he lay on the flat of his stomach. Knocked out cold. And the guy he was fighting, flipped out a switchblade. Gonna cut him, no doubt he was gonna kill him. So the pregnant wife, what's she gonna do? She couldn't stop this man with this switchblade and she big and pregnant you know what she did all she could do was straddle her husband she jumped on his back straddle her legs and her arms and her big belly sticking out and said if you cut him you'll have to cut me and she saved the life of her husband till he began to come to himself they got out of there hey That's what Jesus done for us. He was smack in the middle on the cross, saving you and me. Who was the criminals on the left? You. Who was the criminal on the right? Me. Hey. Smack in the middle, in our mess, he was there and he saved our very lives. Before we were born, by my yelling, before we were born, before we was a twinkle in your daddy's or mother's eye, he was saving your life. John Coke said Jesus condemned social inequality always always condemned social inequality always condemned the big man looking down on the little man Jesus always condemned the poor man, the rich man looking down on the poor man Jesus always condemned the white man looking down on the black man and the black man looking down on the white man and the German looking down on the Jew. Jesus always condemns inequality whatever it was at Jesus condemns it in the church today how can the church stand so silent against the inequality that's taken place in 2020 this has been one of the most eventful historical years that has ever been you better lift your voice's hand off. The churches will talk about everything else but the inequality that is taking place in the world today. They'll talk about homosexuals. They'll talk about uh, 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 political affiliations. They'll talk about uh, uh, who to vote for. But they dare not say anything about social injustice. Ha! Jesus was knock in the middle. I'm that criminal on the left. You're that criminal on the right. But we are still important to God. That bagger on the street, that homeless man on the street, is still important to God. The age victim is still important to God, and we'll be all the better for it the sooner we realize. Or how dare we name the name of Christ and say we are Christians, huh? While we sit in our beautiful Ephesus, Ephesus all the same race all the whites go to church on this side of town all the blacks go to church on this side of town all, all the church. Mexicans go to church on this side of town we, we segregate ourselves and we say we're believers of God so Jesus said today you feast
1: you be with me today
0: To be with me. We all have a choice. We can go to the left, or we can go to the right. You can make the wrong decision; we're off to the left. He doesn't. He doesn't make us choose here. Huh? You can go to the right and do what you want to that way. But the psalm says, hey! They say, uh, you do what you wanna do. They say, I'm seven times three. It's your thing. Do what you wanna do. Ain't that what they said? Even, even Sprite got a commercial that says, obey your thirst. Right. The Bible said the heart is desperately weakened. Who can know it? The heart will lead you straight to hell fire. Hey! Jesus is right in the middle, waiting for us to give him our lives. Choose
1: life,
0: not death. why can you why will you die when you can live? Huh? Why die when you can live? Choose life, not death. True is the path that leads to eternal life. Mm. Well, let's look at Matthew 27. Because all of them got a piece of the scene here at the cross. Matthew gives us a little bit more information about what happened there at the foot of the cross on this very eventful day. Matthew 27 verse 44. Matthew 27 44. Look, look. He says, the robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. You know, everybody was insulting Jesus you saved others why not save yourself I told you he wasn't the son of God they were just throwing all types of insults they mocked him they jeered at him both of the criminals were doing it too well some of them I said well he Jesus said that one of them was going to be with him in paradise but he was, he was mocking Jesus too yeah Read it again. It said, The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him. Well, I don't know about that. Well, well, if you don't know about that, let's see what what, what Mr. Mark has to say about it. Take Mark 15. Let's get his take on the event. Mark 15, verse 36. Mark wrote about it too. Huh? You can't just believe one story. Huh? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is settled. Bible says, search the scriptures. So when you think you've got eternal life, but therein they speak of me. So, so search the scriptures now. What does Mark say? And Mark 15 and 32 says. Mark 15 and 32 says. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe those who were crucified with him were also insulting him. So, the one on the right and the one on the left was also insulting Jesus. So why would Jesus say that that, that, that one of them is going to be impressed? Hey, you know why? Because repentance
1: happened one of them. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have the
0: whole story but we have enough clues and enough bits and pieces to put together what happened now if he was insulting previously what happened in between that God said you're going to be with me today something happened Hey, what was going on? Okay, let's go back to Luke 23 and verse 41. Let's see what happened. Luke 23 and verse 41. Something happened because he was a mocker. He was insulting Jesus. He was making fun of Jesus on the cross. Something happened. Verse 41 said, let's go back to verse 40. Well, verse 39. Look, verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, you are not the Christ. Are you not the Christ? Say yourself a us?" And the other answered, and rebuking him. So now, one of the criminals is rebuking the other criminal. He said, do you not even fear God because you are under the same symptom of condemnation? Verse 41. He said, and we are indeed suffering justly and we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. What has happened then? Repentance uh, has happened. You can't tell me that you can be hanging on the cross next to Jesus Christ. Who never said a mumbling word of accusation or of criticism against his the people that was crucified him. Something happened there that convicted this one criminal so that he changed his tune. He stopped insulting and he he repented in his heart. He he told the other criminal, hold on. Uh uh-uh. uh don't do that he said and he also not only did he repent he confessed his guilt see he confessed it he repented and then he confessed his guilt he said we deserve what we get hey as they hung there next to the child of God, taking on the sins of the whole world not saying nothing there as a sheriff to the slaughter dog. Not saying nothing. Hey, he says, hey, we deserve what we did, but this man ain't did nothing wrong. Hey, he's confessed, he's killed, and he's repented on the cross. I said, somebody ought to listen back when I tell them about Jesus. See what you say? And then where Go to verse 42. What did he say? Then he, the thief said, he tested Jesus, remember me when you come into your
1: kingdom. <laughs>
0: he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What is that? That's faith. That's faith. He expressed faith in Jesus Christ as having a heavenly kingdom. And so but when you get to your kingdom up there in heaven, remember me. So he believed that Jesus was a king of another world. That's faith. What we're seeing here are the ingredients for salvation faith, and repentance. <laughs> hey! Jesus lived to be 33 and a half years old. Historical, uh, his history has us to believe to be most factual. The last three of his years was the ones that he used in ministry. But it was his last moment on the cross that exhibited to us his whole mission for coming. Repentance and faith the keys to salvation. Huh? No works. No bo 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 None of that. None of that. Turn at the altar. None of that. Hell Mary full of great stuff. Repent and believe. None of that. Uh, uh, you gotta put your time in. Mm-mm. Repent. And believe. You can reach God anywhere. Even across. But anywhere. You stand. At your fork in the road. You can reach God. Whatever fork that is. Your fault may be mental issues, low self-esteem. You may be in love with money. You may be in love with yourself. You can reach God from anywhere without all these other religious attachments that the world has hung on Christ as he's decorating the Christmas tree. Uh Uh-uh and belief. Look what he gets this man, this thief, this malfactor. Jesus said, you'll be with me in
1: paradise. Huh? What's paradise?
0: Paradise is the third heaven that Paul talked about. Or I'm going to call the highest heaven paradise look at 2nd Corinthians 12 2 and 4 2nd Corinthians 12 verse 2 and 4 look what Paul says he said, verse 2 I know a man in Christ who fourteen years ago was well, in the body I do not know, out of the body. I do not know. God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Jump down to verse four. Was caught up into paradise. This is also okay. Deuteronomy ten and fourteen. Look at Deuteronomy ten, this is heaven. So, so the the the, the thief on the cross went to heaven. Deuteronomy 10, 14 says, Behold, to the Lord your God belongs heaven and the highest heaven. See, look. That's what they describe Heaven and the highest heaven. One more example. Revelations 2 and 7. Revelations 2 and 7. The thief went to heaven. Yes, he did. Revelations 2 and 7. In verse 7, look how God describes it himself. He who has an ear, let him hear. But the Spirit says to the churches, To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. So Jesus was telling us. We're going to go to the paradise of God, which is heaven. And the feet on the cross also went to that same paradise. Repentance in God. A repentance for our sins. And belief in God as the Lord and Savior. Give us paradise. And the process of sanctification in between, from earth to paradise, oh, we've got to work that out. The Holy Ghost. Oh, that's that's gonna be worked out. But the complete work, but the beginning and the ending was already done. That's salvation. Let's not let this world muggle it up, buggle it up, mix it all up with gobbledygook and hogwash. Let's keep it clear for the world. How they can be saved. How we were saved. How we were criminals. How we were malefactors. They still are. Hey, according to the flesh. Until we see him. And then we'll be like him. But we cannot look down on the world. No matter how drunk they are. No matter how stupid they are. No matter how poor they are. They are important to die. You hear him saying that? Oh, that's that old deathbed salvation you say. Huh. That's that old deathbed religion. Okay, you live like a dog all your life, and then you're going to get saved on your deathbed. I don't believe that. Who cares if you believe it? Because so what? Let it be a deathbed salvation, as they call it. There is no limit as to when one can come. As long as he or she comes. That's what Jesus said. He said, he that cometh. did he say he that comes when he's young? He that comes when he's healthy? He that he that Just come. He that cometh. I will know why wise cast out. So how are we going to put a limit on who can come and when they can come? Come in jail. Come in prison. Come on with that bed. Just come to Christ. Ah, O salvation is a gift. It's a gift. Acts, oh glory. Acts 2 and 39 says, it's a promise. It says, Acts 2 39, for the promise, see, and when God makes the promise, a promise is a promise. I don't care about the Baptist. I don't care about the Catholics. I don't care about the Pentecostal. A promise is a promise. And Acts 2.39 says, "For so the promise is for you and your children and to all who are far off. See, that's, that's the whole world. As many
1: see, I don't know how
0: many it is, but he said, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself, will call to our Call call to himself, huh? As many as the Lord our God were call. So if he was saving them on the cross, how come he can't save them now? With all this extra stuff we said they got to go through. You can't do this, you can't do that. You got to go here. You got to dress like this. You got, hey, he saved them on the cross. Smack in the middle. When Martin Luther King gave his great "I Have a Dream" speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington D.C., Martin Luther King was about ending his speech. You know, Martin Luther King was wrapping it up. He was going to close out before he told us about the dream. But there was a lady in in the audience named Mahalia Jackson the great gospel singer that we all know today. They had previously had a conversation, you know. And Martin Luther King told Mahalia Jackson about this dream that he had. But he was just about to close out his speech. And Mahalia Jackson yelled out, tell him about the dream, Martin. that's oh, I he could tell them about the dream, Martin. And that's what Martin Luther King would I, I had a dream. Who oh, goes? My job today is to tell you about the promise. And remind you that the promise is left to you and to your children and to all that are far. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's still saving. He's still saving. we got an Old Testament invitation just for you. Isaiah 55 and 1 says, Everyone who thirsts, come to the water. And you who have no money, he says, come, buy, and eat without money and without cost.
1: You don't have to have no money.
0: Come to the wells of living water. Jesus gave another personal invitation himself. In Matthew 11, 28. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He said, I will give you, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Not from, my, from this one, not from that. He said, learn from me, learn from my word. He'll mold you into the man and the woman he wants you to be. He'll do it. And we have another new testament in life. John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So all we have to do is believe it. All we have to do is believe it. If God did this great thing for us, so you mean I don't have to do no works? You mean I don't have to go to work? No, no. And he said all we have to do is believe it. Romans 10 and verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's scripture. I can't add to it. I can't take away from it. Revelation says, "Curses is the man that adds to it. Curses the man that takes away from this book of the law. And finally, all we have to do is act upon it after we have loved God and best God all we have to do now is just act on it just just, just do what it says what he says in Acts 2.38 when all the people there asked Peter they said what shall we do Peter said repent each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. Good. God loved you, believe it, and act on it. And you could be with Him in paradise when you
1: leave this world. Don't add to it.
0: Don't take away. Don't complicate the simple equation of faith and love. Share it with the world no matter what religion, what culture, what political affiliation, God came to save Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the promise. Oh, glory. Oh, God. Open the ears of those that need to hear your word. That need to accept you as their personal Lord and Savior. That need to believe in you. Repent of that sin so you can fill them with the Holy
1: Ghost.
0: Help us be light shining and the darkness of the world needs you to In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Send us good Saints. Good night.